0: Friends, welcome back to another episode of Being and Making Disciples. Today, we're going to talk about kind of the opposite of what we usually talk about. We're always talking about how to evangelize, share the good news. Today, we're going to talk about why Catholics may not typically do that, and we're going to reference an article by Father Dwight Longenecker from a few years ago, but it's so relevant to today, and we'll put the link in the show notes. But Dan, I'm excited to talk about this one. What comes top in mind? Why don't you think Catholics evangelize a
1: lot? Um, so I would guess that, that one of the top ones is fear or hesitancy. Yeah. Like, but we don't even know where to start. And we're like, well, I don't, I don't want to be the weird guy. Like, I don't want people to, to yell at me or I don't want people to to be like, why do you think I should become Catholic? Like what, what does it have to offer for me? You know, we, we think like, oh, I'm going to invite somebody to church. And then we're, we start thinking through that conversation. Right. It's like, Hey, do you want to come to church with me? Why? Why would I want to come to church with you?
0: Well then I don't know about you, but then I started thinking about well, what, 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 how do I handle communion? You know, how do I talk about that? And um, yeah, so I had a friend that was influential in my conversion who was Protestant and he was not a fan of the Catholic Church. And at one point I started to refute back towards him about why I'm Catholic. He said, you know, it's so rare to meet a Catholic who actually knows their faith and is ready to defend it. And he was kind of taken aback. So um anyway, Father Dwight's got 10 reasons here. We're gonna kind of go mm-hmm. through each of them, but You know, the article, Dan, for me, starts with a real knife to the chest because this (laughs) sums up the issue. Second paragraph here, it says that he was at a priest conference and a speaker was citing statistics about denominations, a survey of of members of those denominations saying how important is evangelization to their understanding of Christianity. Mainline Protestants said 60%, 60% said evangelization is important. Evangelicals, 85%. Catholics, Three percent, folks. Oh, I mean, hurts, not even man. double digits. How oh, how embarrassing is that? Because yeah, we, we're yeah. missing what the church has always been saying. I mean, then we talked about it from the beginning of the podcast, episode one. That's why the church exists: is to evangelize. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do we get here as a church that that that's where we're oh, at? Oh man,
1: man, could you imagine like going into a store and most of the employees did not know why the the store, store exists? <laughs> it was like, why we're just why here. why are you here? Oh. So people come. <laughs> yeah. once they'll just a week. keep coming. They'll just keep yeah. coming. Yeah, they'll come back when. I, <laughs> That, heart, oh, that man, hurts my heart. Dan. It is. it's it would it would be more funny. It'd be funnier if it weren't so awful. Yeah. Um, well, what are what are some of the reasons he gives? All right, let's start with number one:
0: cultural Catholicism. A lot of folks born into Catholicism maybe don't understand the reason the reasons why they should be Catholic, but they're just Catholic. And that's just, that's just the way it is. So they're, they're Irish or, you know, Italian or uh, Cuban. I mean, you name it. I mean, almost every background it's like you were Catholic. So what do you think about cultural Catholicism? Does it belong near the top, Dan?
1: Um, you know, statistically, I don't know. I'd love to see if that's one of the things where like people's association with the faith is tri- is primarily tied to things like, um, like, family tradition and and heritage Mm -hmm. and ethnicity um i'm not sure that that i would i would think that directly translates to why um but i could see there being some some idea that people don't necessarily care about their religion any more than it's like they're happy they're born into it and they love it because they're born into it in fact i actually had a friend who did not know that you could become catholic he thought it was like (laughs) judaism and that you had to be born into it so when my friend found out that we wrote a book about evangelization for Catholics, he told me, he's like, what, like people can become Catholic. I thought you were born into that. And that's gotta be a part of it. Like people, they don't, they might love their faith, but they don't ever think about sharing it with other people because it's like, well, why would it like, why would I tell a British person about being Catholic? I'm Italian. They're like, they're British They're you know, they're going to do their thing. I'm going to do my thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's also, uh, crept into different aspects of the faith i think this is an issue in godparents you know godparents being more of like a family relation or a birthright or something but yeah yeah really the godparent is a whole different role so i mean how do we get around cultural catholicism dan how do we yeah get-
1: that's a great question um i think we're it's getting a like we're not gonna have to take care of that problem because it's <laughs> This is not a good thing but cultural Catholicism is disappearing. So... The people who were who were kind of cat, like Catholic by default are not so much anymore. Uh but with you know yeah. with the godparent thing one of the most influential people in my life is my confirmation sponsor mm-hmm. and uh you know not exactly a godfather but I don't know my godparents. I haven't really really had any contact with them at, like since like I've never I never remember meeting them. Um yeah. and we you know my parents lost touch with them. Uh, but my confirmation sponsor and I like still uh, are in touch and I love him and I'm so grateful for him. And I mean, it's just, he has, he has helped me stay Catholic and helped me grow as a man of God. So, I mean, that speaks to the importance yeah. of choosing the right godparents and that, you know, not just uncle and aunt and not just your friends, but like people who are really going to be a witness to you, so, to your child. So um, don't be afraid to hurt people's feelings to pick the like your kid deserves a good godparent.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Amen. well, you know, that's one part solution, but we won't get to all the solutions today. We're gonna to stick on the problem. So now let's go to number two. Now in number two, this is an interesting term I've never heard before. And in fairness to Father Dwight too, he doesn't have these in rank order. He says the most, the worst is at the last. But number two, he says over sacramentalization. He's basically saying there's too much emphasis on the sacraments that we can't see who is at the core of the sacraments, or why the sacraments exist? It yes, about the I'm, without knowing who's there.
1: I'm with it. Yeah, this and this is a part of this is an ex, excuse me, this is an extension of cultural Catholicism because the, there are these. I mean, they're literally outward signs, but they're outward signs, and we have forgotten who they point to, and so these things are like people baptize and confirm their children not because, like, it's a rite of passage and rites of passage. Are okay. It's like it's perfectly okay that it's a rite of, right mm-hmm. of passage, but mm-hmm. that is a fraction of its of its overall meaning yeah. and significance and value and and why we do it. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and even though I might be on thin ice, uh, I, I recognize it was really difficult and painful pain, painful for people to not have access to the blessed sacrament um, when basically all public masses were shut down in the United States last year because of COVID, um, and I think it revealed a a misunderstanding of the purpose of the mass, and the majority of the complaints that I heard about were people saying, "Me, me, me! I like, I need this. I need the blessed sacrament." I and like, primarily, we go to mass to offer fitting worship to the Father. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want to dichotomize this too much and say, like, "Well, yeah. your your union with Christ is not important." So, it like, it is important. It, it's impossible right. to really rank and there's efficacious
0: them, but... graces in the sacraments. Yeah, there's, yeah, you know.
1: But if um like what are we what are we upset about? Are we upset that we aren't getting our token? Because there are some people yeah. who definitely tokenize the Eucharist. I've
0: heard I've heard I've heard a very a long devout Catholic, you know, super involved person call going to mass is quote unquote ticket punch. Ticket punch. That's
1: that's exactly the, the problem I see. And like if you if mass for you is not like this voluntary worship of God the Father out of thanksgiving for the gift of salvation won by mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Then we have we have something to learn.
0: We got some we got some catechesis to work on. Well, I think one and two make me both think of just that phrase going through the motions, right? You know, if you're just Catholic because that's you were born into it, or if you, you know, just go to the sacraments because it's the right thing to do, you're missing the point of both of those things.
1: Indeed, yeah. Well, what's number number three? Not in, in rank, but just in list.
0: I am really interested to talk to you about this one because you're always talking about it. But he says, number three, the problem is RCIA because mm. in his argument, he says it's often cumbersome and user unfriendly. And I agree with him on this part. We talk about cus- you know, flock experience, right? Yeah, one of our, yeah, concepts, yeah. our key concepts from the right, book and right. the initial episodes. So say he puts the perfect example here. If you have someone who's interested in becoming a Catholic and you tell them about RCIA, which starts in the fall, what do you do when they come to you Easter week and say, hey, I, I want to be Catholic? But then... <laughs> He calls him Pastor Bob at the local He says, Come on in, just sign in. You're you're good. We'll baptize you next week. What do you think about that, Dan? Is RCIA what
1: yeah. where, where are there so, some challenges? Here's the funny thing. Like we've developed the system for RCIA and the church has not asked us to do it like that. It's just we've kind of defaulted to, well, what do people do when they learn? Well, they sit in the classroom. And so RCIA looks like a classroom. And so it looks and feels like a graduation process, but it does not uh, it does not bring people into the community. It doesn't join them to the community and doesn't to graft them onto process. the fun. And so like, it's interesting, like the, the catechumenate should be the most beautiful thing in the church where the, where people are met and welcomed by the community and accompanied and like gathered in and, uh, introduced to lifelong friends and incorporated into meaningful relationship with other people. Um, and so as it should be, RCIA is awesome. As it is practiced, RCIA is understandably just seen as a, I think a a set of hoops that you have to jump through and Mm -hmm. people are, they're herded through like cattle. And it's like, they're, then they're put into a holding pen with all the other cattle. And it's like, okay, wait here till you die. Well,
0: the thing I often hear is what next, you know, they finish, they have, and and those that dive into it and do it all like, this was amazing. Then they, there's no adult or not enough adult formation waiting for them. There's not the next thing. And yes, Mass is the next thing, but they're kind of left like yeah, a cliffhanger yeah. at the end.
1: And Christianity is like, it's not just about worship. It is about worship, but it's about community. community. It's about living in relationship with our brothers and sisters. I mean, you go back to the book of Acts. Are we int- introducing people into a community like what we see in the early church? No, RCIA is often, it's like, it's like getting off the airplane and going through security. And you go past that point where it's like, You can't turn around if you go back here. That's RCIA. It's like, however much fun you had, you can't go back. And so the group of people that you just walked with and and became friends with, Mm -hmm. sayonara. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to look at flexible, you know,
0: creative models for RCIA. But that's probably for another episode, Dan. So RCIA number three.
1: Yeah, check out Nick Wagner and Team RCIA, everybody. They're great.
0: There you go. We'll we'll link them in the show notes. So number four. We should have them on the show. But yeah, that's another point. There we go. I love it. Number four. He calls it Church or Jesus, and he makes some very, very good points ah, here. It's, I love that. Ouch, I love ouch, love ouch. That. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. He says too many—and and by the way, he's, he's a convert. He was an Anglican priest, right? Um, he came into the church with his family, so he's got an interesting perspective. But he says, yeah, too many yeah. Catholics confuse evangelization with getting people to join the Catholic Church. The primary task of evangelization is meeting people where they are and introducing them to Jesus Christ. It is possible to do this without bringing in the Catholic Church with its whole devotional and sacramental system. I'm just going to read the whole thing, Dan. It's really good. It is possible to talk to someone in need and say, you need to get right with God. You need to say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the first step. After they make that decision, they can start to attend church and learn about the sacraments and how to continue their relationship with Christ as a Catholic. The reason so many Catholics have a problem with this is because they are unsure whether they themselves have ever had that fundamental, rock-bottom, First step conversion transaction.
1: I can hear, I can like see people cringing when they hear this. Like, what do you mean? It's not about getting them to join the church. Jesus brings them into the church. Like we introduce people to Jesus. And then when they fall in love with the Lord, they want to follow him. And then we like, we, I think a lot of people, like with great intention, their first inclination when they want to evangelize is to bring somebody to mass. And I actually don't think for most people that's the right first step. It could be that, but that's why we discern. We understand where is this person and what. Yeah, it could be for the right
0: for the certain for a certain person. Absolutely.
1: But uh, like the sacraments and like he said, the devotions that that we as Catholics practice, those will seem odd, to I think to put it lightly, to most people. And so like there are things. When you are part of the culture of the church and you understand what we're doing, yeah, those things make sense and they're not foreign to us. But until you, until you have a relationship with the Lord and you understand the sacraments and mass and all of our devotion as an expression of love for the Lord, and it's our offering to him, it's our thanksgiving to him, it's our joining in his praise of the Father in the mass, until you understand that, it's all going to seem very foreign. But a relationship with Jesus and, and experiencing his forgiveness, that's, that's, that's essential. Um, that's what we want. Everybody like, can someone go to heaven without praying the rosary? Yes. Do I want people to pray the rosary? Yes. But what do we, what do we want? First and foremost, we want somebody to commit to following Jesus Christ. Like the disciples to leave everything behind and follow him because they're in a relationship with him, not because they think he's a good idea, not because the church has nice moral teaching, but because he is God and he forgives us for our sins and restores us to new life in the father. That's why we want people to, that's what we want. And then people become Catholic.
0: Yeah. I think, um, we can look at scripture in John six, the Eucharistic discourse. Uh, the thing is the disciples that didn't leave him when he made the claim that he was the bread of life, they had been following him, um, for, for, for a while. Right. So then they were able to take that next step. So, um, anyway, yeah. Start with Jesus. And you know, I'm finding that this is so silly I even have to say this, but I'm finding the easiest way to evangelize. You just start, just talk about Jesus, talk about his love, talk about what he did on the cross for us, his resurrection, and then invite um, folks to understand the beauty of of being, living that out as a a Catholic in his body, the church. But just start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Make it about Jesus.
1: It's okay if that takes two years. Or a year or six months. Like We're not saying we don't want them to be Catholic. I want everybody in the world to be Catholic. I will go on record. I want everybody in the world to be Catholic. Of course. Um, Of course. And that we get there. We think we're going to get people there by helping them fall in love with the Lord.
0: Yeah, of course. So bottom line, folks, let's start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Amen. Number five interesting one. He says the social gospel. He says a lot of Catholics think the church's primary way of evangelizing is by helping them. Um, and he says, however, do, just doing those things isn't enough. We need to give people the bread of life as well as a sandwich. Yeah.
1: Yep. Wherever the gospel of Christ is not proclaimed, there is no true evangelization.
0: I yeah. don't know where that is,
1: but that's a church document. I'm going to look it up.
0: All right. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. It, it's part of it's part of Christ's ministry Is is... Loving our brothers and sisters in need, but price, Christ primarily came to give us Himself the bread of life. So, you'd always remember that even as we're doing those things too, to make it clear who we follow, why we follow Him, and share that love of Christ as we do those things. So,
1: yeah, okay. So that was that was Paul the Sixth Nunciandi. Nice. Um, there is no true evangelization if the name, the teaching of Jesus, is not proclaimed. There you so. go. Hard pill to swallow, but it's from he's, a pope and talking- an encyclical. And he's talking about Jesus. Yes, yeah, exactly. love it. He's he's saying let's start with Jesus. Let's not, start with Jesus. Not not bingo. Yep.
0: Yeah. So number six here. We talked about this one way early on. Ignorance. Too many Catholics simply don't know their faith well enough to share it. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, not much more to say. But yeah, I I really like I really like what he says in number eight. Cliffhanger. While we get through seven, because I think six and eight are really connected. Now here's an ouchie moment for us, Dan. Number seven. He says the problem is professional catholics he says for so long everything in the church was done by the professionals priests bishops sisters and brothers did everything and did the church work he says lay people were there to pray pay and obey but i think there is an issue now too with us lay people honestly we're the evangelists you know or whatever but um that 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 can, that can get in the way, you know, but I don't know what else to do about it. I was like, I was called into this, you know, so I don't know what yeah. else to do, but we're, yeah. we're here, but we, we keep trying to tell everybody else. Yeah, we're here, but you are too. This is just where we happen to be in life.
1: We need tent makers. We need a whole group of tent makers. And here's what I mean by that. St. Paul chose tent making as a profession, either knew it or he chose it so that he could travel easily and be around crowds of people and evangelize. So it behooves us to choose careers that allow us to evangelize. And that means we take into account our ability to travel, or our. It needs to support us, and we need to have sufficient time to evangelize. Granted, like family is our primary our primary vocation, um, but we should we should make sure that we have opportunities to evangelize. So, if our yeah. job is making us work eighty hours a week, it's not letting us evangelize. So. Uh, I'm not going to get into the position of telling people how to choose mm-hmm. their careers and how to, right, how to build right, their right, but,
0: that's, that's a different podcast. You can listen to other yeah, podcasts about yeah.
1: that, but... But make sure you evangelize.
0: Yeah, just evangelize. And, um, you know, so we all play a role in, in Christ's mission of evangelization. You know, I mean, ever since Vatican II, there's been more lay people stepping into roles like those that we have, but it's just what the Spirit's doing. We all, we all play a role. We all are part of it. So... Yeah. Um, I'll move on to number eight now. I think it's really connected with number six. So six was ignorance. Now, number eight, I really like what he said because I just, I want to just yell it from the rooftop. He says, a slack use of resources. And he specifies, there's not a lack of resources. I repeat, we can all agree. There's not a lack of resources. He says, there are more than we can handle. There's amazing resources. I find new resources every day. Every day they're professionally produced. And he, he says, they're orthodox, relevant, attractive, dynamic. It's not the lack of them. It's a the lack of people who will who will use them. Um, so what do you think about that, Dan? We're just not using the great tools around us.
1: Um, I, I think I agree with that to a, a large degree. Um, w- one of my coworkers says we need to focus on the archer, not the arrows. Um, and so the, like the arrows are important. We want good arrows, yeah. but I'd say this is like good, good tools are, are necessary, but not sufficient. The real thing is we need people who can who under, who have been evangelized well, and then know how to evangelize. And well, so, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Well, two two things, right? And that's why we have this podcast in the book. We're focused on the on the archers, but I'll I'll tell you I'm gonna caveat what I said before. You're you're right. As I was hearing you took there is there's one issue I, I would disagree with Father on one thing. We're not thinking about the target enough. For example, I was Correct. on a very popular website for Catholic resources the other day. I searched for over an hour, Dan, and you know you know what I was looking for to show a group of people who are likely haven't been evangelized in a while. I was I was praying a talk to people that, you know, probably um, aren't practicing. Right. Yeah. And I just wanted a video on like who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It took wow. 90 minutes searching to find that. And it and it made me realize ninety-nine percent of the content on this website is for people already yes. practicing yeah. the faith. Yeah. We need new stuff to go to that next level so that the archer has the right bow. For that target that's that's that is a missing piece right now yeah
1: and it's, it's tough because catholic publishers and and media companies they need to make money and the people who are going to spend money on Catholic content yeah. are people who are already exactly. committed to their faith and so exactly. it's a challenge we need people who are willing to go out and, and make things that are entry level just the like bite-sized stuff for people it's almost like some there was a website at one point or a channel called bite-size Catholic
0: yeah you remember that one Dan yeah that, yeah
1: that, it, 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 it's still clicking on it's 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 clinging
0: on life support you know it, it's something that uh, it's something that's in that's in the back burner right now but I will tell you that um, I think that one thing though is we can never lose sight that that we are the primary bow the Lord wants to use I was in this uh, discussion yeah. at a men's conference one time. And one guy was like, hey, you know, we need a resource to help guys encounter the Holy Spirit. Where's the resource? And I stood up and said, guys, you are the resource. Yeah. Not rely on a video or a book yeah, for everything yeah. that you do. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of aspects to this. Part, but I, I think bottom line for me is I agree with him for the most part. There's lots of great stuff, but I don't think it's stuff aimed at the right at the right people all the time. We need more stuff for for those not practicing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, number 9. These are so he says the worst at the end. end. So we're getting to the we're getting to one he says are the worst. Okay, so number 9, he says indifferentism. This is the widespread feeling and he put in parentheses, and teaching that hmm. all the Christian denominations are pretty much the same. It doesn't matter where you go, choose the one that you like best. I've heard this phrase before that he cites. You know, we're all climbing the same mountain. We're just going up different paths or different things like this. Yeah. I've heard that and yeah, we need we need to understand why catholic
1: yeah i you know i think that actually gets back to one of the very common reasons why people leave the faith is because they say they see i heard this in a great homily this sunday um the uh, the priest said the number one reason i don't know what source he was using but the number one p- reason people give when they they say they why they left catholicism was because they never met jesus in the church which is a shame because jesus is there on the altar
0: there, there's there's a couple of very popular non-denominational christian singers that have have left the faith yeah and and i think that's that's part of the reason for it yeah yeah
1: so i think that's that's there and i i don't know that i would call it indifferentism i would call it a failure to inter, to help people fall in love with jesus because if they fell in love with mm-hmm. jesus there would they would not be indifferent
0: well i think an important part of this conversation this list is that we're talking about people who aren't practicing okay so you'll hear indifferent and it's like what you know for our audience you might be thinking of course we know why Catholic we're talking about the people who aren't coming the culture out there. And I think yeah, number yeah. 10 is, is a trigger. It's a, it's an example aperture because when I read, it, I was like, what really? But that's because we're only around the people we're around all the time. Right. And number 10, he says is the, is the biggest crime against this why Catholics don't evangelize universalism. He says the ugly twin sister of indifferentism, the teaching that God loves everyone so much, he would never send them to hell. Why bother? Why bother yeah. with Catholicism or religion? Universalism, he says, that's the biggest problem on mm. why Catholics don't don't evangelize. What do you think about that, Dan? Um,
1: this belief is out there. I don't know if it's why people don't evangelize, but it is out there. Like, I think it's probably the majority of Catholics. I think is it why the majority of Catholics
0: are on the books? Catholic don't evangelize because I don't of think universalism. So. I,
1: I think this is this is. I think people believe this. They're like, if you're a gen, like there's a handful of people who they think go to hell, but they're yeah. generally dictators and terrorists. Um, right. And everybody else is, is a pretty cool person. Um, I, but I don't think it's why they don't evangelize. I think like, I, I'm not saying that I, I think, I don't think Catholics don't feel this way or a large number of people don't feel this way, especially kind of non-practicing the, the more culturally Catholic people who who don't attend all that often. I think they do, they feel that way, but I don't think that's why they don't evangelize. I think they don't evangelize because they have not been told to and they have not been prepared. Yeah. They they don't, they have not fallen in love with the Lord and therefore they do not feel compelled to share his goodness with other people. I think that's, that's, a, the, that's the biggest reason. That's, the,
0: that's an interesting take. Well, I, I will tell you that it's surprising times how much universalism can creep into the church. I remember talking to someone at a parish once, very high level leader there in terms of lay leadership. Parish council president. I heard them say so many things that were in the realm of, you know, just um relativism, you know, about the church's teachings. Yeah, yeah. That is is a, a plague, a cancer within the church. This this thing. But I I I see where you're coming from. That that might not be the primary reason why. The bottom line is if you fall in love with Jesus and he has changed your life. And yeah. then, and then, and then, if you believe He is there in the most blessed sacrament, and everyone needs to get there, oh my gosh, there is nothing you would do to not proclaim that. So it 100%. all comes—the solution is encounter, Dan. Just encountering Jesus.
1: Yeah, I really like, the response. Here's here's an analogy. Um, I don't think people have a universalist reason for not talking about diets. Like I don't think they don't evangelize oh, their their diet because they think all diets are, are just like, they're just as good as one another. I think the reason they don't talk about a diet, like the reason some people don't talk about diets is because they're not passionate evangelists. Like they haven't fallen in love with a diet. You meet somebody who thinks that keto or paleo or Whole30 is the best way to go. And like, there's, because there's it, changed their, because yeah, it, it changed, changed their life. Yeah. It changed their life. It's like, and the same thing with CrossFit. Like, how do you know if somebody does CrossFit? They already told you about it 15 times. How do you know if somebody's on keto? They told you four weeks ago. Like yeah. the, when, when things change our life, we tell people. And so the reason we have not told people about Jesus is because we have not allowed him to change our life yet.
0: Amen. So, uh, folks to kind of end, end this episode, we'll, we'll end there with that's. That's the solution, you know, encounter and it begins with us. So yeah, you keep, keep your prayer life strong. Uh, you know, keep your sacramental life strong and then you'll just overflow with love for God and his Holy spirit to just go out and share the good news. Dan, last question for you. Anything missing from this list? I think you already mentioned maybe re- one or two things you sh- that should be on this. List. But if you had to sum it up for you, what's the number one reason Catholics don't evangelize? Is it what we it with there?
1: Yeah. They haven't fallen in love with the Lord. That's the biggest one. Yeah. Also, sorry, CrossFitters. I'm not trying to hate on you. CrossFit's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're just jealous because we don't do it, you know, but, um, Anyway, I agree with you, Dan. It's Encounter. So, so folks, we just encourage you to encounter our Lord. Go visit him in the Blessed Sacrament. Maintain your prayer life. Encounter him in his word. He will give you everything you need to go and share the good news. So God bless and go make disciples. Make disciples.